Children Unheard, whether children of war or children suffering autism. This is episode number 732, finishing up our 14th year of broadcasting the next step, June 16, 2022. Hi there, this is Susie from In His Shoes Ministries. Thanks for tuning into the next step with Father Vodskin. We are the voice of Armadoxy, a weekly podcast started in 2008 that looks at life through the lens of Armenian Orthodoxy. If you're joining us for the first time, we're so glad you're here. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. In these weekly episodes, you will find that Father Vazgen's messages are timely, thought-provoking, and based on the solid principles of Christ's love, faith, and hope. Now, let's get ready to take the next step. No one asks if the song was a nice song. All they know is that Nero played a violin while Rome burnt, right? What the song was, no, nobody knows. Nobody cares. Was it Besame Mucho? Probably not, right? <laughs> Could have been. But Nero played while Rome burnt. And I use that story, is it a myth, whatever it, it may be. We'll call it a story right now. I used that story when the war in Ukraine just broke out. I said, we're standing here, we're looking around, and Rome is burning, and we're just like playing our fiddle. Yeah. Just like massive, <laughs> massive catastrophe, and what are we doing? We're playing our fiddle. Remember at the time, people said, oh, you got to pray for Ukraine. Pray for the people there. Okay. Write out a check. There's humanitarian crisis brewing. We need to do something. Yes, write out a check. But I said it at that time that we will forget about this. And it's just like, it's exactly like Nero playing his fiddle. In other words, we're doing all these obscure things instead of looking at what we can do to bring about peace, ultimate peace. And it is possible. It is possible, but it requires a different state of mind. Not the escalation of war. Not by fighting fire with fire, but by fighting it with the only means that puts out fire, namely water. In other words, finding new ways of addressing these these uh, catastrophes that take place. You had a superpower going into another country, to Ukraine. We call it unprovoked in the West. To the Russians, they said, well, it was provoked. Well, whatever the case may be, it's a reality. And then here we are, three or four months later, where the story is all, all but forgotten. Yeah, I know. They talk about it in broadcast journalism. You, you've got a story here or there on television, on radio. You've got a story here or there if you look for it on the Internet. But other things have overtaken it, right? We have the economy. We have inflation. We're being driven by inflation in the economy where people are finding it difficult to just survive, to find the food, to buy the food that they need to feed their families, to find the resources to make the money to buy that food. Gas, the skyrocketing price of energy, of fuel, the money that you need to just get to a basic job where you can make the money to feed your family. I mean, it, 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 it's a chain reaction. And one's 
crash. It's a. It's like a train, and and it's just going. It's not stopping, and it's crashing. One one car is crashing into the next. It's a domino effect, and we have all kinds of beautiful metaphors that we put up for this. When the bottom line is that this is this is a war that's touching all of us, all of us. And that's what was interesting yesterday. Pope Francis, the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church, made a statement that the Third World War has been declared. Wow. Powerful, overwhelming statement. So the Pope had an audience, he, he gave an audience to a group of journalists from the Jesuit community, the Society of Jesus. And there in the interview, he, he, he said this. Let me read to you because I, I don't want to misquote anything. Pope Francis stated, in his opinion, the Third World War has been declared. And that the war in Ukraine after the invasion of Russia perhaps in some way was provoked or not provoked. According to the transcript of a conversation he had a few days ago with the directors of the European Cultural Magazine of the Society of Jesus. A few years ago it occurred to me to say that we are living through the Third World War in pieces. So this goes back a few years, he says. Now, for me... The Third World War has been declared. And this is an aspect that should make us reflect. What is happening to humanity that has had three world wars in a century? This again is according to a transcript of the conversation published in The Print, the newspaper called The Print. Again, uh, this is with a, a group of journalists from the Society of Jesus, better known as the Jesuits. Responding to Russia's aggression against Ukraine and how it can contribute to peace. Did you hear that? Responding to Russia's aggression against Ukraine and how it can contribute to peace. Aggression contributing to peace. Francis stated that you have to get away from the normal pattern that Little Red Riding Hood was good and the wolf was bad. Something global is emerging with very intertwined elements. And he quoted the opinion of the head of state that he met before the start of the war and expressed his concern for how NATO was moving. So, listen to that. I mean, you know, when I tell you about the, these things on the next step and I share with you these ideas about finding these metaphors, it's just refreshing that we're finding that, you know, on the world stage, people are getting it, that this is the only way that we're going to be surviving. You can't just make it into a black and white issue. Every side has a story, right? And you can't just sit and say these are good guys and these are bad guys. Yeah, you can, but the good and the bad is always measured from your perspective. It's like the guy who goes out. I don't know if you've ever seen. There's like so many of these popular um, missionary. I, I I don't like using that word, but they're. I guess they they consider themselves missionaries. Eh, that's fine. You know, whatever you want to consider yourself. 
they go out and with a with a video camera and they stop people on the street and they ask them about their personal salvation. Are you saved? Are you going to heaven? What do you think about the Ten Commandments? If you believe in the Ten Commandments, if you don't do the Ten Commandments, do you go to hell? Do you go to heaven? And things like this. Just kind of like one right after the other. They keep asking these things. And you listen to these people and, you know, it, it gets to you after a while. You go, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Like, who is this person with the microphone? Why does he get to define the dynamics of what's happening? And ultimately, I will get to the point where are you, um, have you stolen? Yes, I have stolen. Have you, um, have you lusted? Yes, I've lusted. Have you lied? Yes, I've lied. Have you used the Lord's name in vain? Yeah. Oh, well, then all of these Ten Commandments you have broken. So where are you going to go? Well, I'm going to go to hell. Well, I don't want you to go to hell. Okay, that's nice. I mean, but <laughs> obviously there's a producer to these videos that you see. So you hear them and they have an intention. And by the end of the production, you know, someone is... Uh, falling down and saying, okay, you're right, I will now repent and I'll go on and on. But wait, the premise, the premise, it's all predicated on this premise that the Ten Commandments are somehow the rule by which we live. And I agree, yes. The Ten Commandments, they're part of Judeo-Christian culture, the West is built on these, but it's not the only thing that is necessary and certainly the keys to the kingdom, the keys to heaven, the keys to an afterlife are not in the hands of these people with video cameras. Nor are they in my hands, nor anyone else's hands. And what happens after we die is truly we are at the mercy of God. And it's just refreshing when I read something like this that Pope Francis is, here it is, the head of the Roman Catholic Church making a statement like this, saying, let's get out of the black and white. Let's get out of the good and the good guys and the bad guys. What did he say? The little red riding hood idea of good and the bad wolf. Yeah, the wolf. <laughs> Ooh, tongue twister. The wolf is bad. Little red riding hood. Oh, she's so adorable, right? Isn't that how we look at life? Isn't that how we look at the major issues in the world? And so what happens is we have brought it down to a very simplistic thing. Well, of course, it's going to be on the back pages after a few months. Yes, of course, people are just tired of it. They don't want to keep reading Red Riding Hood stories. When all along, these are huge, huge issues. And we've got to get away from simplifying. So let me go on. Let me read some more from this article. Very fascinating for me. He quoted the opinion of the head of state that he met before the start of the war and who expressed his concern of how, for how NATO was moving. I asked him why, and he replied, they are barking at the gates of Russia, and they don't understand that the Russians are imperial and don't allow any foreign power to get close to them, and concluded by saying that the situation could lead to war. That head of state knew how to read the signs of what was happening, Francis recounted. For Francis, there is a danger of focusing 
only on the brutality and ferocity with which this war is waged by the troops, generally mercenaries used by the Russians, who prefer to send Chechens, Syrians, and mercenaries, and that it's something monstrous. Now we're getting into some some very, very difficult uh, areas because you start questioning, well, then, like, who's fighting this? Is the Russians, but they're hiring people? Let me keep going, okay? The Pope seemed to approach the position of Vladimir Putin, although he later denied it. But he added, to also not see all the drama that unfolds behind the war, which was perhaps somehow provoked or not prevented. And I register an interest in testing and selling weapons. It's very sad, but basically this is what is at stake. And so anyway, I will put the entire uh, article in the show notes and I and I do encourage you to read it because when he talks about like now World War Three has been declared, you start realizing that, yes, this is more than just a European theater event, especially when you look at the billions, billions of dollars that the United States is sending in weaponry. And we have all but forgotten any of our means that we do have in the in the area of negotiation. Can we sit down and talk to these people? I remember right after the war started, someone approached um, uh, President Biden and they said, <laughs> they, they asked him, they said, uh, do you see any room for negotiation? He said, no, Putin has closed the doors. We're not going to be talking anymore. Well, you can't do that. <laughs> You're a superpower. You're the dad. Look, this week is Father's Day. With everything that we're thinking about, about dads, what makes a good dad a good dad? It's his ability to be open with his children, to consider everyone his child. Obviously, the United States shouldn't be thrown into that position of being a a dad. But consider yourself at a little higher level, that you're not at war, that you have the means. Can we bring about peace? Can we usher in peace by doing something besides building up arsenals and building up weapons? And these are just questions that I'm throwing out because it's all but forgotten. The war is forgotten. We're sitting around playing our fiddle. Pray for the Ukrainians. Pray for the people. Now, that's nice. That's nice that you pray. But what are you praying? What are you praying at that point? Praying for God to, to smite the Russians? Well, if you read the Old Testament, you start <laughs> believing this stuff, right? You start believing that God plays favorites with his children. You start believing that one person is better. One group of people is better than the other. One group of people is chosen by God and everybody else then is not chosen by God. And you go on and on and on. You start building up these scenarios and what do you get? You got the Old Testament. Basically, you've got this story of how God's favorite people make it and the rest of the world is just, well, you're a byproduct. You're there as the support team, as the support staff. You're the understudies. And it's not like that. Why do you think Jesus got into trouble? Why do you think Jesus got into trouble? 
because he said it's not like that. He said, my heavenly father makes it rain upon the good and the bad. My heavenly father casts his sunshine upon the good and the bad. Ours is not to judge. We're not here as the judge. These people make it. These people don't make it. This is the way you live. This is how you don't live. This is what gets us into trouble. You know, we talk about racism. What is racism? The superiority of one race, the belief in the superiority of one race over the other. Well, this is no different when you go to the religious and they start saying, well, this is the way you live. This is the way you don't live. And one of the beauties of anthropological studies, and uh, you know, Margaret Mead made this very famous in the 20th century, cultural relativism. And you know, people live in different communities. They have different ideas, different ways of living. And in those communities, one set of standards does not always mean the same set of standards will work in the other community, in the other group of people, for the other group of people. And we we see countless examples of this when we look at the stories of people in the world. You, you open up one of the um, shows that have become popular in the last 20, 30 years, like Discovery Channel. National Geographic. Actually, National Geographic was way ahead of the game with their magazine, right? Why was that so popular? Why was National Geographic so popular? Because you're sitting in your in your living room in America and you're sifting through pictures and stories of people in villages, people in the desert, nomadic tribes, and you realize that, wait a minute, there's a whole world out there. And the more you become educated to that whole world, you start realizing that you cannot live by saying this is the one set of standards that works for everybody. What I can do is I can say, yeah, this set of standards works for me and it works for my family. It works for my community, where I'm living. And you do need those standards. I'm not advocating for chaos. Everybody does whatever they will, but each society, each group of people understand themselves in a unique place. We talk about this a lot, especially within the Armenian community, that when we look at the church here in America, quite different from the church in Armenia. In Armenia, for instance, the Armenian language is not an issue. It just is. That's the language. Over here, it's one more layer that you have to kind of sift through to get to the faith, right? So obviously, you start building into your church systems by which that language can be perpetuated, namely having schools and so on. Now, in Armenia, that's a non-issue, right? It's not only a non-issue, if you, you can't even conceive of it. You go to a church and you say, well, you know what, Let, let's get some language skills here so that we can understand what's being said in the sermon. No, you understand it. Anyway, that's just such a superficial example, but it is a real example that each of us comes to this to, to this world, comes to the occasion to interact with one with the world 
with our own set of circumstances, our own societal beliefs, and at the end of the day, our own reasoning powers too. We reason in a certain way based on the morals that we have, based on our upbringing. And so when the Pope gets up and he says something like World War III has been declared, it's a very powerful statement that, yes, we've gotten to a point where there is misunderstanding throughout the world, where people are trying to dominate one another. And it's not only in Ukraine. It's not only the Russians. We're seeing this in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. We're seeing this in Sudan. We're seeing this in the in Korea, North Korea. We're seeing this in Iran. We're seeing this in our backyard right here in America, where people now have resorted to picking up guns on their own. And not a day goes by where you don't hear about a shooting. Shooting, and this is in one of the most affluent countries of the world, who is there expressing themselves to the rest of the world when in our own backyards there's such inequality. Now, can all this be solved? Yes, it can. Can it be solved by one system? Yeah, it can. The one system is let's communicate. Let's use the one tool that God has given us. Let's not break those those lines of communication by saying, well, I can't communicate with you because you don't see the world the way I do. Jesus came. At his birth, the angel said, this is the reason why he has come. Peace on earth and goodwill towards one another, goodwill among men. We forget about that second part, don't we? There has to be goodwill among all people, all of us. That's right. We are all God's children. Let's take a break right now, okay? We'll play the song of the day, and then we'll return with part two.
Conversations with God, Liz Story is the artist, off of an album by the same name. And this is a compilation of many different artists coming up and uh, sharing musical talent in all instrumental, the entire album, beautifully done, arranged several years ago called Conversations with God. And I hope as I play some of this music, it gives us a chance to to settle down, to relax, meditative, to get into that place where we can have those conversations with God. Maybe even an opportunity here, God's voice. A couple weeks ago, an incident took place during the celebration of the Holy Divine Liturgy. Now, I should explain that in the liturgy, of course, there is the liturgy of the Word, at which time it is very proper at that time, and it has traditionally been the spot, where the Sermon of the Day is given. In other words, we hear the scriptural passages, and then the sermon is given immediately afterwards. And uh, this, the liturgy of the word, or what we call in the Armenian tradition, the Joshu service, literally that word means the meal. <laughs> kind of a cool name, right? The Joshu service, the meal. It's uh, it's before the singing of the, or the recitation of the creed. So it's kind of a nice, a, a nice package. If you take the entire divine liturgy and break it up into sections, the first part is the preparation where the gifts are brought, where the, um, the, the bread and the wine are offered from the people to the celebrant priest. And then you have the liturgy of the word. This is the instruction, instructional portion of the liturgy. So you ha- have the readings on a typical Sunday, it's the um, scripture from uh, the Old Testament, from the apostolic letters or epistles, and then a gospel reading. Uh, during the time from Easter to Ascension, it is only from the book of Acts and one of the gospel readings. So it's kind of interesting. But anyway, there are many, many variations throughout the year. The point is that at this portion of the Divine Liturgy, mostly celebrated on Sundays, this is where the scriptural readings are given. And then the priest offers the homily or the message of the day based on those scriptural passages that were just read. It just kind of makes sense, right? And so this is the instructional portion of the liturgy. And then it goes on into the actual sacrifice where the gifts are consecrated and then the reception of the Holy Communion. And of course, the final part of the service is our thanksgiving our thanksgiving for this opportunity to participate. Now, if you were to go into one of uh, the traditional churches, um, I don't know about the Orthodox churches, where they've positioned it. I know the Roman Catholic Church still maintains this order, 
of uh, scriptural readings and then the homily. I know the Episcopal Church, not necessarily um, traditional, quote-unquote, but they still retain that practice as well. In the Armenian Church, the, the, um, uh, the, the sermon has been bumped up and it's been actually pushed up towards the end of the service. Why? Well, because Armenians are notorious for not coming on time. And the entire idea of a liturgy is still kind of foreign that you come at the beginning and you leave at the end. Right now, there's a lot of straggling in. Now, this is changing pretty quickly. I'm I'm very pleased to say in many of the parishes that I get to visit, and particularly at our cathedral, there's a good number of people. I mean, the vast majority of the people are there at the beginning, and then, um, you know, you're always going to get people who are straggling in, in any church. But most notably, you see this in the Armenian church because, well, I'm a priest of the Armenian church. And so as I'm celebrating it, you, you can't help but see that, you know, there's less people at certain times and there's more people at different times during that liturgy. So I am not the only one who has noticed this. Actually, it's become a practice that they've pushed up the the um, the homily, the, the sermon, to times where there are more people. Most often, you will see it at the time just before the Lord's Prayer. In parishes where I've been the pastor, the parish priest, I've pushed it up all the way to the very end. In other words, after the entire liturgy, after the reception of the Holy Communion, that's when the the sermon was given. I'd give it for a couple reasons, like everyone else. I was concerned that people come into church, they should be there for that part. This is the one part that changes from week to week. It's the instruction of the church. And during that instruction is where we teach that you have to be there at the beginning, ironically, right? We teach that you have to be there at the beginning. It's very, very important to me. The the sermon, the instruction of the day. Now, in many churches, they have it during, uh, just before the singing of the Lord's Prayer. And there's something weird about this, I have to tell you, that I just can't fathom. It's very difficult for me, because uh, the gifts are consecrated. The gifts have already been consecrated. We've asked for the Holy Spirit to descend upon those gifts. And so they are, as as we say during the liturgy, they are actually transformed into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so what happens at that point, it's the holiest of holiness. The, the gifts are there consecrated, and you have the priest turning his back, uh-huh, his back to the consecrated gifts to offer the sermon. Doesn't make sense, does it? I have to tell you that I I thought it, it really bothered me. When did it bother me? Was I was at I was a visiting priest at one of the churches and it was Palm Sunday. This is this goes back a couple years. And a uh, a vartabed of the church was there who should know better. And he came to officiate at the Palm Sunday procession where all the children would come in and they would process around the church. Guess where they did it? Just before the singing of the Lord's Prayer, the Hyde Med. 
And so the gifts were consecrated and everything was left. The consecrated gifts, everything was left at the altar while the priest went around the entire church with the kids on the outside. And the holiest of holiests was at the altar sitting there, Jesus Christ. Tells you a lot, doesn't it? What we believe. How much do we believe, right? And so it was, I was a visiting priest at this parish two weeks ago. And there, during the time of the of the um, Lord's Prayer, just before the Lord's Prayer, it's the time that we deliver the sermon. And that's the tradition. And as a visiting priest, you really don't have much to say in the order of that day because, after all, it's someone else's parish and this is how they've they've um, set it up. So, tragically, during that portion, I turned to give the sermon. And during the midst of my sermon, a little boy started screaming. And, uh, of course, people can't let it go. They need to focus more attention on it. So all of a sudden, if you could imagine from my perspective, from uh, giving the sermon from the altar area, on the stage area of the altar, I'm giving that sermon towards the people, I'm looking at the people, and on one side of the church there's this little disruption of this child, this young boy, making loud, loud noises. And within a couple moments... It wasn't even a, I'd say, it wasn't a minute, but it wasn't a few seconds either. But at some point, we all realized that this child was disturbed. This child had was somehow mentally disturbed, and you can tell that the parents were trying their best to to soothe him, to to get him to to relax. I don't want to say quiet down. Obviously, the goal was to quiet him down, but to to make him relax. And of course, people couldn't let it go. People were just like, oh, reaching over, looking over. And this is while I'm trying to give a sermon, right? To the point, it was so bad that to a point where I just had, I stopped my sermon and I looked at the people and I said, please, I said, do you understand that this child and his parents are extremely, extremely embarrassed as it is? Why are you people adding to their problem? Will you please focus your attention back towards me, listen to the sermon, and trust that this child will be taken care of? Obviously, his parents are there. It's not just like somebody just walked in off of the street. And so I make this announcement, and obviously there's some people who are still, you know, intrigued by this child. And so they have to be looking, they have to be leaning over their their pews to see what's going on. You know, it's like not enough that the priest stops. It kind of tells you that the priest's message isn't even important to people. And so I... I, I made that announcement, and I continued. I continued with my sermon. As difficult as it was, there was still maybe you know, a little bit to go. It's all been recorded, by the way. It's, on, it's online, including my stopping the service. And uh, we, we got through the sermon, and I turned back towards the altar, 
and to continue with the divine liturgy, the actual words there are Yevdurmez Hamartsagatsain Par Parov Parnadasperas. And so give me the strength now to open my lips and to praise you and to sing your praise, and we sing the Lord's Prayer. And as we're singing, of course, this is the part where everybody in the in the congregation and at this particular church, it's really beautiful because the choir leader goes in front of the entire congregation, leads the entire congregation in the singing of the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. And so as we're singing this, this poor little child, his voice, his yelling is becoming even more increased, even more, even louder. And... All of a sudden, you realize that it's not just his voice. You realize something else. There's, there was more to it. And so I turned around, and I looked, and there was a commotion right where the child... It all happened so fast. There was some commotion going on. And as I'm getting ready to make some announcement, like, let's uh, let's stop the service. Let's take care of what's going on. Obviously, this child is in distress. Right then, I noticed that the parish council had walked in and had had quieted the situation not understanding what was going on. By the way, this is like in a church that's about 500 seater and it's towards the back. So I'm not seeing everything exactly. All I know is that the situation was quieted down and everybody was relaxed. And so I turned back towards the altar and we continued with the with the service. And I didn't know what had happened, what had transpired. Um, after the service, we we came out and people were buzzing and I said well what's going on well what's going to happen to this child I said what happened and apparently somebody from the church congregation went up to this child and to the child's parents and berated them and just said how dare you bring this child into the church (laughs) how dare you bring this child and allow him to make these kind of noises and you just go what is this for real how dare you allow a child into the church? And now let me add one more dimension to this too. The day happened to be Pentecost. When you're talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon the people, when you're talking about the gift of languages, of expression, of being able to talk, you know, to me, and and I, I could tell you, I'm not the only person. I, I'm not trying to build myself up. But to hear a child's voice in an Armenian church, that to me is the greatest of all miracles. Do you know what that means? There were supposed to be no voices in an Armenian church. Just a hundred years ago, they wanted no voices. So any voice inside of an Armenian church is a miracle in itself. It's the voice of resurrection. And so completely blowed my mind that this 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 guy had gotten up and had made a scene over there. Well, we tried to find out and you know, I, I, I tried to find out what was going on and that's a long story in itself, but what I want to bring you to is what happened this past week. That was a couple of weeks ago. What happened this past week? So I was celebrating the liturgy down in San Diego and on my trip up uh back home, um uh, my sister called me. And she said, you won't believe what happened today at the cathedral. She says, I went to the cathedral with our other sister, two sisters. They went to the cathedral for the divine liturgy. And she says, we are in tears. She says, throughout the service, there was a kid that was calling out, was making noises. 
But then they realized that there was a reason why that kid was there that week. Our Archbishop, Hovnan Sirpazan, had had recently called parents of autistic children to bring them to church, asked them to bring them to church for a special blessing. And our primate, the Archbishop, made a special prayer and a summons to the people saying that these are our children. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. There's no reason for us to not allow them. And he made this statement not only to this one child, but to many who were there, and then led the entire congregation in a prayer for these children, these autistic children. And as my sister was telling me on the phone, you know, she she's like breaking up um, in tears, choked up from what she witnessed. And I'm sure she wasn't the only one there. I was so moved that as soon as I got home, I had to open up the internet and watch it. And it is very, very moving. And all you can do is just applaud our Archbishop when you think about it. Remember I was sharing with you a couple of weeks ago the different weight of a bishop of the church. The different weight when a bishop of the church. We were talking about the book Building Up the the Body of Christ. The different weight that comes from a bishop of the church. And again, in this incident, you have a bishop of the church that is focusing in on the autistic children. And he calls the people to pray for them. And then he leads the people in prayer for them. It doesn't get any any more meaningful, any deeper or prettier than this. And so it was that the Archbishop prayed and led the people in prayer for autistic children, opening up the doors for this opportunity to focus in on some very, very special children and their families. And, you know, I will put a link on today's show notes to the service. As you're watching that, all you could think about is the world that we're living in. From the week before on Pentecost, when that incident happened in my church during my service, to this last week with the story of these autistic children, you start realizing that as a church, we're really missing it when we create our church outside of the normal world. The normal world has pain, it has struggle, it has difficulties. And our only legitimacy as a church is to address those issues. When you look at what Jesus Christ, who he addressed, and by the way, we are doing an incredible Bible study. Uh, Right now we are in the session of St. Mark. We're going to be talking about Jesus and the lepers, when you think about how Jesus always went out of his way to make sure that the least of the children of God, so to speak, the least of them was recognized and was lifted up, even the point of going out there to the lepers, you realize what the Christian message was all about. Yes, 
You heard me right. I, I did use the past tense because I think we lose a lot of that. And when, when someone like Archbishop Hovnan makes this proclamation and he says this, we need to applaud it. We need to be supportive. We need to understand that that is something very unique that is happening. It's signaling a change, a change of our reaction. And when you go from the autistic, you go to the people who are left out of communities, and you realize that really the biggest issue for us has to be inclusivity. If you take a moment and you start reading what it says in the Bible, in the Old Testament, about the exclusivity of how to take people out, you understand why Jesus got into trouble. He was very inclusive. It wasn't about anybody who was chosen by God. He made it about all of us are chosen by God. There isn't a group of people that is better than the other. We're all God's children. I mean, let's get with the program. I know, I know what it says in the Old Testament. And that's the radical difference with the New Testament. That was what was so radical about Jesus. That's why they killed him. He dared to say, that I'm looking at the world through God's eyes and God is not playing favorites. We're all children of God. And sometimes Christians get it. I mean, in, in children's, uh, children's Sunday school classes, yellow, black, yellow, red, black, and white, we are all precious in his sight. Isn't that one of the first Sunday school lessons you learn, right? You sing that song. Yeah, children get it. We need to get it. And so today, as we are distanced now from the beginning of the war by four or five months now, and it's sort of fading off into the background, we're not focusing in on it the way we should be focusing in and really trying to find answers, solutions. This is an opportunity for us to understand that in this world there are certain things that we cannot change. But there are things that we can change, and one of them is our attitude, our understanding, our acceptance of one another, all as children of God, that harmony, peace on earth, and goodwill towards men. All right, the piano player is here. Just in time, by the way, because um, it's getting pretty heavy. Here's Susie to make an announcement. I'll be back in a moment. Before getting back to the next step with Father Vazgen, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that this ministry is supported through the heartfelt donations of listeners like you. Thanks for keeping us in your prayers and partnering with this expanding and dynamic outreach. The next step is entering homes and communities with a solid message proclaiming God's message of love, forgiveness, and compassion. We look forward to your comments and words of encouragement. Please consider partnering in this dynamic ministry by making a contribution. By pressing on the Donate button on our website, you can set up automatic donations, either weekly, monthly, or annually. Your donation goes a long way in furthering this ministry. Even more, tell your friends and family by sharing the Next Step link or website with them. We're on iTunes and Blueberry as well as Facebook and Twitter. We are excited about this ministry and invite you to share in our enthusiasm. This is Susie wishing you all of God's blessings in your life. We now return to the next step with Father Vazgen.
Thank you, Susie, for that announcement. And thank you for being with us. You know, I know. Got so much going on today. Wish you all the best. And just thank you for making that announcement. And hey, listen, thank you, all of you, for all of your prayers and your wishes, your notes, your emails. I really appreciate it. It goes a long way in in giving us the energy to, to keep going and keep moving forward. Today is the last podcast of the 14th year. We we celebrate our 15th anniversary. We start our 15th year next week. And it's hard to believe that's a decade and a half that we've been doing this. And I appreciate all of you who've been on this ride for as long as you have. Some of you from day one. I don't know how many day ones I have. I think I can count the day ones on my hand. But those of you who've been on from day one and those of you who've been joining, even if you've just, this is your first time joining us, thank you. Thank you for being with us. I appreciate it. If you would say a very special prayer for this ministry. This ministry is called Epostle. Officially, it is apostolic evangelism for an electronic world. And so it's Apostle with an E, Epostle, and it is .net. Yes, to think about Jesus and the net, the fisherman's net. It is epostle.net. And next week we begin our 15th year of broadcasting, The Next Step. Along with it, we have all kinds of new programs coming up and a new website, which we were hoping that we could launch, but it probably be is being delayed. The launch of the website will probably be later this summer. Just look for it. A lot of stuff is going on. Until that time, we're still at the mothership in his shoes dot org. We are very, very excited and thankful for all of your prayers and your your love for this ministry because it's really putting us over the top. It is one place where we can talk about our faith in real terms. The Armen- Imagine this, we're talking about the Armenian Orthodox apostolic faith as it relates to our life today. No brag. I know there are so many people that that speak about, you know, we did this in the past. That's great. That's great. <laughs> but this faith has to make sense in our world today and in very, very real terms. And so we've, we're putting it out there and we're really excited with the new programs that are coming that are coming out. If you haven't seen them yet, we have this new series called uh, it's called The Elevator Priest. It's on TikTok. And I, I don't think you need to be a TikTok user to to watch it. And I know it's uh, kind of like fun to bash some of the social networks, people who say, oh, I'm not on this or that platform. It's like a badge of honor that I'm not on there. Okay, very good. You don't, you know, don't be on it. It's like you're missing parts of life. It's like our divine liturgy. You know, we... We stream it from the diocese on Facebook. We stream it from St. Gregory on uh, YouTube. Uh, We stream, those are the two main channels that most of our churches are streaming on. And people come up to me, I don't use Facebook. I don't use YouTube. Okay, yeah. You want to see it? That's where it is. I don't know what you use, but it is there. But fortunately, on these two platforms, YouTube and Facebook, you don't need to be a user of Facebook or YouTube to watch it. You can watch these. In the case of TikTok, I'm not sure. Um, But you can do a little investigation. It's called The 
Elevator Priest, and we're really excited with the reception it's getting on the world scene, and it's part of the new expansion of the Apostle.net umbrella. So we're going to leave it at that for right now, and thank you very much for your prayers that have made these 14 years so special. We're launching year number 15 with God's help and with your prayers next Thursday, and I look forward. On behalf of Susie, our producer, and myself, Father Vaskin, we look forward to seeing you again next year when we will launch the 15th year of The Next Step. And now here's the fine print. The information and comments presented within this podcast and our website do not necessarily represent the views of the Armenian Church hierarchy, but are presented as a challenge to define the dynamics of Armenian Orthodoxy in all aspects of life. Listening to these shows is habit-forming. Addictive behavior associated with the next step is rarely, if ever, remedied. Rather, the next step is known to relieve and cure common cases of narrow-mindedness, prejudice, numbskullness, and glaucoma in patients over the age of 20. Results may vary depending on credit rating. Findings are based on double-blind studies conducted in Istanbul and Jerusalem. Side effects include mind expansion, clarity of focus, higher rates of heart palpitations, sensitivity to the pain of others, and occasional nausea. The management and production crew vpostle.net take full responsibility for changes you will experience. Not valid with any other offer. I forgot to ask you if uh, you're seeing the same sky as we are. Uh, Bye.